And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's begin our time in prayer. Father, we are thankful tonight that the word became flesh. That's what we're celebrating tonight. That's what we're remembering in this season, that Jesus became a human, and he lived the perfect life that we could never live. Then he died on our behalf. We just pray that you would help us to pause and remember what Jesus has done for us, uh, the great gift of life that we have through him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me Psalm 102, verses 18 through 22. Let this be written for a future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. spend this Christmas Eve with you. I just uh, um, pray that it's uh, a good time for all of us. It's been good to sing these uh, songs to remind us of why we're here. I just would like to ask you to be praying for uh, one, one member of our, our congregation. Um, some of you know Anand. Uh, Anand Darley, he's been struggling with some real uh, struggles this week, uh, some illness, so we don't know. He was scheduled to preach on Sunday, and he's not going to be doing that, but, uh, so you're going to be uh, left with me, and uh, we'll be uh, going, going from there, so we're looking forward to that. But I'd like you to join me as we, as we pray just before we spend a little bit of time in the Word. Father, thank you for your Word and for the great truths that it contains and the great truths that we've been singing about. And I pray that now your, your spirit would speak to our hearts as we spend this uh, Christmas Eve, a portion of it, um, reflecting and remembering and rejoicing in what you've done for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I have a question. I, how, how do you typically respond when someone says, what are you going to do for Christmas? What are you doing for Christmas? Well, you don't have to answer that. It really is a rhetorical question. But uh, the, typically, I, you know, it's like, well, uh, we're getting together with uh, my, my, my parents, and uh, then we're going to go down, we're going to see my siblings, and then, you know, our family's getting together, my, our children, and talk about where we're going, what we're doing, places we're going to be, and the, the family and people that we're, we're going to see. Those are the things that we're talking about. And we've all been busy. You know, you've been busy. You've been busy preparing meals. You've been preparing, you've been buying packages, ordering them, going to store shopping, wrapping the packages. You know, you're baking goodies. Some of you have been going to games. Some of you have been going to concerts. Some of you have been doing all kinds of other stuff. Watching Christmas movies on TV. Now I ask you, why do we do all that? Who's that for? Typically, it's for us, right? I mean, we, we make these plans, we do all this stuff, and we get together, and we have all kinds of fun, and we do these things, and typically, it's, it's for us. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that all that stuff is amiss, okay? I'm not saying that you shouldn't be doing any of that stuff necessarily. What I'm saying is that just tonight, I'd just like to f- have us focus for a few moments on maybe thinking a little bit more intentionally about directing some of our activities towards the real meaning of Christmas and the most important person in Christmas who is Christ consistently. I want to consider one passage of Scripture tonight from God's Word that makes it clear and that of this fact. Christmas isn't about us, but Christmas is for us. Okay, If you have your... Bibles, or you have a device that has a Bible app on it, or if you want to reach under the seat in front of you and grab one of those Bibles there, I'm in Galatians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, and then we're just going to consider a couple of good reasons to conclude that Christmas isn't about us, but it's really for us. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, now I say as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we. While we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of this world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem, in order that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The first reason uh, that we have here, I think in the text, that that we should conclude that Christmas isn't about us, but it's for us, is the the particulars of, of the Incarnation. Now, there's two elements of the Incarnation that I want to think about. First of all, the setup for it. And that's in uh, verses 1 through 3. So in making the case for salvation by grace through faith, which is what Paul is doing in Galatians chapter 4, he's making that case for salvation by grace through faith, not works, in the book of Galatians, Paul begins chapter 4 by expounding on the idea that we're sons of God through faith. In chapter 3, verse 26, he said, 
for a person we are you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus okay so that's what he's making his basis upon that in verses 1 through 7 Paul makes a comparison and he's comparing a son to a slave but he's saying the son is like the slave in the sense that the son has to wait till the appropriate age which the father determines that he becomes the full son with the full rights of sonship to that of a person who's a child of God waiting until the fullness of time that we can be delivered and given the full rights of sonship as God's children okay at the certain age the father removes the restrictions at the certain point in time God moved the restrictions, the restrictions of the law, the restrictions of all the rules and regulations, the elementary things of this world, which would be the rules or regulations and requirements that people believed they needed to follow in order to become a child of God. He said he's going to remove those things. And so you see in verse 3, it says, so also we. In the country of Hungary, when a person turns 18, they're considered a legal adult, okay, completely legal adult. Well, what Paul is saying is he's speaking about the spiritual transformation made possible for liberating us from a works-based system of gaining salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. He's made it possible so that we can't work, well, the Bible says you can't work your way to heaven, but he made it possible when he came to earth as a babe in a manger so that we could become the children of God only on the basis of faith and in Christ we're just like that physical son in a spiritual sense like the physical son he recognized he was recognized by the father as the full heir at a proper time when God sent Jesus to die as a babe in a manger we could be recognized as God's full heirs at the proper time through faith in Jesus Christ that's the setup now the specifics are this but in verse 4 but sets up the contrast between the time when those who are now sons of God through faith were under the elemental principles of, of the teachings of the world. So there was a time in which, even though we're, we were, we're now children of God, we were under these elemental principles, thinking that we had to do the right things. You know, you got to be baptized, you got to be catechized, you got to be confirmed, you got to go to church, you got to put money in the offering plate. And all of those things are wonderful things. Don't, don't, don't hear me poo-pooing those things okay but there was a time where we thought that was the ticket you know that's how you get to God no he makes the contrast that no that's not it the time set there's a time set by our heavenly father for us to be liberated from the bondage and it was determined that this would be the incarnation in the fullness of time which says in the fullness of time when God thought it was the right time that's really what it means at the right time at the right time God sent his son in the course of human history. So the timing was God's. The person whom he sent, his second person of the Godhead, was God's choice. There was the place, the woman, the historical setting, Roman rule. They were under the law. All that's God's choice. He's the one who determined it. He's in control. So if you read down through this text, who are the lead actors? God the Father and God the Son. We're, we're the bit players. Uh, we're, we're the extras. It's about God and what God is doing. We're part of the backstory. But often in our Christmas and our activities, we want to be front and center. We want to be first place. We want Christmas to be about us 
not just for us, but in fact, Christmas is for us. There's a, a cartoon I ran across several years ago that I think kind of depicts the, the, the typical uh, status of, of Christmas in the minds of many people. And even as those who are now in church, sometimes we can find ourselves thinking this. Oh, why do people have to bring religion into Christmas, you know? And a lot of Christmas movies are, it's like, well, somehow there was just some invention, you know, like uh, some secular invention caused Christmas to happen. No, <laughs> Christmas is about Christ. And we all know that. So there's, I'm not here to condemn anybody buying packages or putting up a Christmas tree or doing any of those kinds of things. But what I think is we'd like to do, I'd like to do, is it's a plea for more appropriate consideration of Jesus in our Christmas celebrations. Uh, just the other day, I was preparing for the message and I was looking at the recently put up decorations at our home. Recently, I, I stress recently, we don't decorate starting in October like the stores. Uh, we wait till it's actually about Christmas time and then we, we decorate. And I was looking at the recently uh, put up decorations and I noticed that the nativity set was not present. And I went, well now, you know, uh, uh, a tirade of obnoxious words and profane words wouldn't have made the situation any better. You know, it wouldn't have been more sanctified uh, to get all upset about it. But it, it's just a case in point where, you know, how can we do this? You know, it's like, what? This is about Jesus. You know, it should be one of the very first things that, that we, we do. Christmas isn't about us. But it is definitely for us. That's the particulars, but now they want you to see the purpose for the incarnation, which stresses the fact that it's not about us, but it's for us. If you look with me at verses 5 and 6, it says, in order that. Well, I'm not a great grammarian, I'm not a great English person, but I know that this means this is a purpose clause, or a, a reason is given. And so there's the purpose for Jesus being incarnated. In order that, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that, for this very purpose, that He would redeem us. That He would redeem those who are under the law. Uh, redeem is an is economic term. It's a, a transactional term. It means to pay the price of release. And most typically, and you've heard me say this before, if you're part of our regular church family, and if not, that's fine, you'll hear me say it. And those who are here who are part of our church family, you'll hear me say it again, I'm sure. But it is to, given usually in the slave market context. So you would redeem the slave. You would purchase, pay the price to deliver that person out of slavery. And so what God did when He sent His Son is He provided a redemption price. And right now in the world, there are organizations that are redeeming young boys and girls out of the slave market of human trafficking. In the same way that God, in a, in a physical sense, the way God did it in a spiritual sense when He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Christ's willingness to be born led to His death on the cross. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because the birth of Jesus led to his death. You think, well, that's pretty morbid. Well, it would be if we were just celebrating a death, but we were celebrating a purchase price for us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Paul said it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. 
For cursed is anyone who uh, hangs on a tree. And he redeemed us, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us when he died on the cross. In his death, Christ took the curse that we deserved for our failures. For our attempts to to be right with God or our non-attempts to be right with God because we were living contrary to God. Our own sinful selfishness, our own greed, our own lying and our own stealing and our own cheating and our own selfishness and our own pride. And he did it to, 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 to deliver everyone who believes in him could be free from the elemental principles the elemental things, the rituals, the r- regulations and requirements. Oh, i got to do this, i got to do this, i got to jump through enough hoops in order to be right with God. Some people don't care. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not trying to be right with God. Well, they're not right with God. And other people think they can be right with God by uh, earning their way to heaven. Neither one is any better than the other according to God's Word. You don't have to believe God's Word, but that's what God's Word says. In His birth and His death of Jesus, we can be rescued from the condemnation we deserve, because all of us are born in sin. We deserve this condemnation according to God's word. We can be rescued from that condemnation, and the condemnation that believing in doing the right things all the time is going to earn us a place in heaven. Do you see that? That we can be deceived into thinking that if I just jump through all the right hoops, do all the right rituals, do all the, have all the right regulations down, and do all the rituals, I'm going to be right with God, and we end up condemned. That's why Jesus was so harsh on the Pharisees in the Bible. Because they were jumping through the hoops, but they were still headed 180 degrees away from Jesus and away from God. We can be delivered from that. And we can realize what it means to be genuinely forgiven. What it means to be genuinely free. What it means to have eternal life and the promise of a relationship with God that begins the moment we put our faith or our trust in Christ. That's the blessing that we can have. You see, there are a couple of forms of bondage that redemption through Christ frees us from we can live our life uh, deceived into thinking that if we just do enough good things that he'll accept us but we can't earn our way to heaven that's what the scripture says yeah we can be deceived we can live our life deceived into thinking that uh, we're too wicked that God would never accept us we can't be so wicked that God would not, not, not forgive us. There's nothing we can do that is so heinous that would alienate us permanently from God if we would confess our sins, repent, and trust in Jesus. That's the marvel of the gospel. That's why it's good news. There's nobody so evil that God is not willing to redeem them if they'll repent and turn from their sins. That's the message of hope. That's the light of Christ at Christmas. And it comes into our hearts by faith. Christ came to cleanse us of our moral filthiness. He came to cure us of our spiritual sickness and to heal our brokenness and empower our weakness and give us eternal purpose. Yeah, he did that, that we might, he might redeem. But there's another purpose. You see the next phrase in verse 6? He says this, or I'm sorry, in verse 5, Heal us from those who are under law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So he sent Jesus at the right time to redeem us, but also to receive us into his sonship as his, his children. Though we deserve God's punishment for our sin, Christ came to die and purchase our pardon. And through our, though our sin alienates us from God, our sin deserves God's judgment. 
he made it possible for us to be in the family. Um, I've known several families over the course of years who've, who've adopted children. And what a blessing, you know, it is that, that, that those, the, the, there's a family, that I'm part of the family. God made it possible for all of us to be part of his family. And it's not a matter of, you know, what skin color. It's not a matter of our nationality. It's not a matter of what our native tongue is. It's not a matter of any of that. It's just that God made it possible through his son, Jesus Christ, we might be received into his family. And though our sin alienates us from God, all who believe in Jesus are adopted. And the Apostle Paul cries out in the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The gift of Jesus that he gave us at Christmas. So through him, we can become part of God's family. You see, there's no cradle. There's no cross. And if there's no cross, then there's no cleansing from sin. And if there's no cleansing from sin, then there's no way we become children of God. And so God, before eternity and eternity past had all this figured out, and he made it possible so that we could become his children. And as children of God, we are given the Spirit. And that's what he says at the end of Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So that we can cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, you're my, you're my dad. As sons of God, all who believe, then we become heirs. Just like the son who was a, a child was just like a slave when he wasn't of age treated the same, had the same rules and regulations, but when he became of age, then he was declared the heir. Just like that, in a spiritual sense, all who put their faith and trust in Christ become heirs. Heirs of everything that God has given. And that's pretty impressive because Peter says it's an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for us. It's reserved in heaven. So there's nothing we can do to be more loved by God um, you know, there's nothing we can do to become more loved by God. They're not saved by works. We're not saved by works, and we don't get God's favor by doing all the right things. We gain a deeper relationship with God if we obey Him. So I'm not saying we shouldn't obey God. We obey God, we get into closer intimacy with God. But just by jumping through a bunch of hoops, we don't get into relationship with God, and jumping through a bunch of hoops, doing all the right stuff, it doesn't make us any better in God's eyes. You'll never be, if you're a child of God, never be more loved than the moment you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. That's pretty freeing. So, you mean if I actually missed church on a Sunday because I was just so exhausted I couldn't make it? I'm not going to go to hell? No, you're not. You're still in a relationship with God. You mean because I, I, just because I, for, I, I didn't spend X number of, of, of times a week in reading the Bible? I'm, you know, I didn't have so much of the Bible memorized. I'm somehow on outs with God? No. But God makes those things available to us to grow and to mature and to develop intimacy with Him so we can get to know Him better and love Him more. But see, what God did for us is a gift that, uh, that must be received. It must be personally received. Uh, several years ago for Christmas, I think it was Christmas, Marty, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, my folks gave uh, uh, antique butter churn. You know, Marley had been looking for a butter churn. This is an old-time thing. For those of you who are too young to know what this is, you used to take cow's milk, and you put it in this glass jar that had a little paddle on it, and you'd sit there and, and turn the wheel and, uh, uh, for a long time. I remember doing this as a child on my grandma's kitchen floor. And I'm thinking, when is the butter coming? 
You know, I mean, it's just like it's never happening and never happening. And I mean, I suppose if I would crank it, I, I think I cranked it for like 20 minutes. And as a kid, that's a long time. But we, mom and dad offered us this gift. And it wasn't our gift until we received it. They were making it available in the same way God has made salvation by grace through faith in Christ available to us. But we must receive it. We must admit that we are messed up people and deserve God's condemnation. And, and I've said this before too, and I probably will say it again. If you don't think you, you mess up, that you are, you're not perfect in God's eyes, just ask somebody who knows you well. And I'm sure they will confirm that you are not a perfect person, that you make mistakes according to God's standard. And then we must turn from that self-directed life and repent and confess Christ as Lord. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to live my life on own. I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. I accept what you did on the cross as a payment for my sin. And then we must believe, put our faith and our trust in Christ. We must admit we must believe and we must confess Christ as our Lord and Savior in order to be delivered from the condemnation that we all deserve. This is what God made true for us, salvation through faith in Christ. I want to read this poem. I want you to listen to this poem. Suppose that Christ had not been born that far away Judean morn. Suppose that God, whose mighty hand created the worlds, had never planned a way for man to be redeemed. Suppose the wise men only dreamed that guiding star whose light still glows down through the centuries. Suppose Christ never walked here in men's sight, our blessed way in truth and light. Suppose he counted all the cost and never cared that we were lost and never died for you and me, nor shed his blood on Calvary upon a shameful cross. Suppose that, he, that having died, he never rose and there was none with power to save our souls from death beyond the grave. And then he says, as far as unbelieving people know, these things that I've supposed are so. But I don't think the things that he has supposed are so. I think it's just the opposite, that Christ did come as a babe in a manger. He did die on the cross to pay the debt for our sins so that all who believe and confess in him would be redeemed. And he rose again to secure our salvation on the cross. So I would implore you, if you're a person who's never put your faith through the trust in Christ, to do that. Because I submit to you that that's why Jesus came as a babe in a manger. To die on the cross so that we could be free and delivered from our sinful condemnation that we deserve. Because God said, that's it. All of sin falls short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. I implore you to do that. That's the best gift you could receive. Just like the butter churn we received was a nice gift. The, only, the best gift you could receive is the gift of Christ at Christmas. And Christ did it. He said, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. You say, well, that's all fine and nice, Pastor Steve. And uh, 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 if you have accepted Christ, you say, well, that's good. And you haven't told me anything that I don't already know. That's all right. That's my job. Is, is to tell you stuff that you already know and, or some stuff you don't know in maybe a little different way so that you can learn and grow. But here's the challenge I have for those of us who know Jesus. Christmas is not about us. 
but it's for us. For the unbeliever, Christmas is not about them, it's for them, so that they can be redeemed. For the believer, it's not about us, but it's for us, because we have been redeemed. And so then, when we look at the lights, let's be reminded of the light of the world. When we eat the food, let's think about the bread of life. When we look at the tree, let's think about the cross of Calvary where Jesus bled and died for you and me. And when we get our gifts and give our gifts, let us think about the greatest gift that we have been given. We are undeserved children of God. There's nothing in me, nothing in you that deserves the deliverance that God made available on the cross of Calvary for us. Woe was me, for I am undone, Isaiah said, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And that's who we are. But in God's grace and in His mercy, He sent His Son. I have one Son, and I'm not sure I would sacrifice Him for anybody. And God had one Son, and He sacrificed Him for all who would believe. That's the message of Christmas, and that's the challenge that I have before us. So I'm going to ask you one thing. I'm going to ask you, think about what's one thing you do or will do that will keep Christ in the proper place at Christmas? How are you actively putting Christ in His proper place? Now, I'm not saying you have to stop buying gifts. Not have, you don't have to stop uh, listening to Christmas music. You know, Mannheim Steamloader is fine. You can listen to that. You know, God, you, know, you can listen to whatever you want. I, I had my daughter change the thing. We had Marla's little, she's got this little boom box thing that uh, you can Bluetooth it. And my daughter had it hooked up to some, uh, you know, innocuous Christmas music, I call it. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, uh, it's okay. You can have that stuff. That's fine. But let's keep Jesus in there, all right? I mean, I want to hear about a child who came, was born, and died for me at some point in Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you'd help each of us to keep Christ in his proper place, your son, our Savior, at Christmas time. Lord, I just thank you for what you did for us in this babe in a manger, that in the fullness of time, in your right timing, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those of us who are under the law in order that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, the lights and the candles our reminder that Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, so we're going to sing this uh, final song together. Um, just use your candle to help uh, light uh, candles around you. And uh, some of you have the easier battery operated. You can go ahead and just turn those on. Uh, let's stand together as we, as we sing this final song.
Father, thank you for this night to remember Jesus. We pray that we would give you the glory um, tonight and during this season. Lord, we, may we place you first in our hearts. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We pray that you all have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming out tonight, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back on Sunday. Mm -hmm.